This episode is brought to you by Gen Next Wealth, a fee-only financial planning firm helping first-generation six-figure income earners navigate their finances. If you are in this situation and you're the first person in your family to make a six-figure income, and now you've come to the place where you need help with the financial decisions that you have, please don't hesitate. Give us a call. We're available for you at www.gennextwealth.com. You can go there and schedule a free consultation to talk about your personal financial situation. Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. IULs. Are they a good investment or is it just insurance? It's insurance and an investment? Well, what is an IUL? How does it work? And is it right for you? Today, that's what we're going to talk about on the show. I get these questions all the time about IULs because of the popularity they've had on social media. People have been asking questions about them and they want to know if they work for them. So before we jump into the show, I wanted to do some announcements. Last week, my daughter's birthday. Last week, Isela turned three. Such an incredible time to think back three years ago when she was actually born. It was right before the pandemic. Everything was kind of crazy. And here we have the birth of our baby girl. She is our last baby. We're not having any more. That was the last one. And it was such an incredible time. And so much has changed since then. But I wanted to shout her out. So happy birthday. Daddy loves you. Had an incredible time. Thank you for everybody that came by and was able to hang out with us at her party. With that being said, we'll jump right in the show. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And so today I wanted to just touch on a little bit about the IUL. I've been getting a lot of questions about this. I've seen, you know, multiple videos, things on social media, TikTok, what have you. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. So wanted to be able to chime in on it a little bit. As some of you may know, I was an insurance agent. I am no longer an insurance agent now. I do not sell life insurance. But for 15 years, I was a life insurance agent. So sold a lot of different life insurance policies, have uh, extensive knowledge in life insurance after all those years of selling it, buying it, replacing it, and doing all this stuff that goes around life insurance. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. So typically, I'm getting questions from people about what is an IUL. And so first things first, we want to talk about what it is. And I'll try to break that down as simple as possible, just because sometimes people make things a little confusing. So here, I am here to clear up the confusion on what it is. So IUL, or also known as an Index Universal Life Policy. So an Index Universal Life Policy gets its name from the index that's in the life insurance policy. So typically, they're going to be with the S&P 500. So they'll have a S&P 500 indice that they have attached to the life insurance policy. So you will have your life insurance and then you will have your investment account attached to it. So what happens is the reason why they call it an index is because it is tied to like the S&P 500. Now, what it does is it protects you, right? It gives it has a life insurance component to it and it also has the investment component. So that's what it is. That's why you get the index universal life insurance policy. Now, with those policies, they're a part of a big family of universal life insurance policies. IULs aren't the only one. There's also something called a VUL. Now, we're not going to get into that, but they do have variable universal life insurance policies. They also have just universal life insurance policies that don't have any cash value. 
So what I wanted to let you know is that this is from a family of different types of life insurance policies. What we call these policies are cash value life insurance policies. You may have heard those terms before. Maybe you've heard about whole life. Maybe you've heard about cash value life insurance. That's what this is. So it's another name for it. And it's very specific to what this type of account does. So how does it work? Let's get into how it works because I think that's very important. Now, so how it works is it takes that investment piece that you have in your life insurance, right? And it invests that money into an index. When we invest it into the index, we'll just use the S&P 500 for this example. When you have the S&P 500, whatever the market does, the S&P 500, let's say last year we know it was negative, but let's just say it did 10%, right? And so what happens on these type of policies is they have a cap rate. So that means that you will only get so much participation in a positive market. So they may cap the rate at like 15%. So if the S&P 500 does 18%, you're only going to get 15%. Now, some of them do different numbers. It's not always 15. Sometimes it can be 13. Sometimes it's 12. Sometimes it's 16. Sometimes it's 18. I've seen them up as high as that. But all that tells you is that is the cap of the amount of interest that you can be, that you can get in your account for that particular time. So typically what happens is you look at these as a place where you can save money and also have insurance. Now, with this, you have to understand a few things. If you have that cap rate on it and the market goes up to, you know, the, the S&P goes up to 15 and the, or 18 and the cap rate is 15, you still only get that 15. On the flip side of that, what happens is in a year like last year, when the market doesn't do positive or the S&P doesn't do positive, then you are going to have your floor capped at 0%. Now, that sounds like, okay, I don't get to lose. I'm not going to lose any money. I like it, right? However, there are fees associated with this product. And I think that's a very important thing to ask whoever is talking to you about these. You always want to know about the fees and you definitely want to know about the commissions. I think that that is something that needs to be talked about up front. And I think it's very important because once you start to see how the commission side works and how the product actually works, then you may have some different decisions on whether or not you want one. So when we talk about how it works and we're talking about the commission, we also want to talk about the fees that are associated with it. So let's give it this. Typically, there's a list of fees that go into a life insurance policy. One, you have the cost of insurance, right? So if you have this life insurance policy, you're going to pay for the actual life insurance. Now, you have to pay for them to do the administration on the life insurance policy. You also have to pay for the investment account that's on the life insurance policy. None of these things are free. And often they're overlooked and not talked about as being free because they say you have a floor at zero. The zero only pertains to the amount of money or amount of interest that you can be paid from the investment that's tied to it. So from that market thing, from the indice. So what happens there is if it goes negative, right, you still get that 0% floor, meaning that your investment can't go below that. However, because of the fees and charges that you have on the account, you can still hypothetically become negative in a year for this because it will still continue to take those fees out. Now, this is typically a high commission product. So people that are selling these are making a pretty good commission on these. And, and so that has to be something that I think you would want to know. Now, there's nothing wrong with people making commission. I think that, you know, if you do something, you have a service, then making commission is okay. But you don't want to get involved in something that you really don't understand. So let's talk about the other things, how else it works. So let's take 
a good setup on this or some the way that they should be set up is where you have the lowest amount of death benefit possible. Death benefit is going to be what happens, what you get if something happens to you. So if you have like a $200,000 death benefit, $500,000 death benefit, then you can max that funding out, meaning that you can put a lot more money into it than is actually needed to keep the policy alive. So what you're trying to do is overfund the policy. Now, what you're doing is the difference between what the policy costs to have and the amount you're overfunding it is the amount that hypothetically should be going into your investment account. Now, because these things have so many fees in them, it is very normal for you not to see any growth in the investment for the first five years of investing into this product. Now, just with that being said, I know it's going to be like, well, what do you mean? Well, what happens with that in those first couple of years is those fees and expenses are front loaded, right? The commissions are front loaded. The fees for the administration is front loaded. So what happens is you have all of these fees that come out of the account. And so you'll see this in the account. And if you have one of these and you purchased one, just keep an eye on the statement and see how slow the balance does actually grow. It's one of those misleading things because even if you get into one of these products and you're saying, you know what, I think it's a bad idea or I don't like what's happening, you have to understand that when you are overfunding the policy, you put yourself in a place where you almost have to keep it for a little while so that you can try to keep the insurance because typically when people buy these, they don't have another insurance policy. So they have this insurance policy to try to help them and it's supposed to be a catch-all. And I don't know any financial product that can take care of everything. So this is how this in particular one is supposed to work. The next question is, is it right for you? So one of the things that this has been touted as, it's like a retirement vehicle. You can be your own bank. You can always have access to this money. Well, let's just debunk some of those things right now. In the first five years, you cannot borrow any money from this policy. And that is exactly what you're doing from this policy. You would be borrowing the money from the policy to pay yourself, right? And so you're essentially taking a loan out on the money that you have put into the policy. It's your own money. So a lot of people like to use that and refer to it as being your own bank. I wouldn't refer to it as that. I would just say you have an insurance account. <laughs> you have an insurance product that has an investment in it. And then so what happens there is as you have this investment vehicle inside of your insurance policy, there is going to be some fluctuation. The biggest thing is that they say the money is tax-free and the money is tax-free. There is one little caveat on the tax-free portion of this. So remember when we talked about this just a second ago, I said, you have to take those premiums, that's your monthly payment, and you have to pay those towards the life insurance policy, right? And so there is a cost for the life insurance. Let's use that example again. Let's say that the cost of insurance on a $500,000 a month policy, let's say that's dependent on age and all that, but we'll just use the premium amount, that $500 you're putting in a month. In that first year, maybe a hundred bucks maybe 150 bucks is going to the savings of the 500 that you're putting in because of the expenses that are tied to the insurance. And so when you're sitting there and you're thinking about this as a retirement vehicle, especially as you're getting ready to approach retirement or thinking about approaching retirement, one thing that you want to do is make sure that it's going to be, you're going to put more money into this than you would say like a Roth IRA. If you're looking for tax benefits, right? If you're looking for tax benefits, tax-free wealth, why wouldn't you put the money in a Roth? And the reason why I say that is if you put the money in a Roth, there is no insurance that's tied to it. Typically, if you go do something like the fund expense on something like this, if you had some low-cost ETF, you can get a low-cost ETF for like 30 basis points. So that's like 0.03%. And if you're doing that, 
you're going to accumulate the cash with no fee drag because there's only that small fee that you have to pay, especially if you're managing this on your own. So I think about it in terms of efficiency. I think about it in terms of just ease of use with the Roth IRA. Now, some people can't contribute to a Roth IRA because they make too much money. That's okay. If you make too much money, there's other ways around trying to go into the Roth. Now, I'm not trying to pitch you a product. I'm just saying there's other things that you can do outside of just running straight to the IUL. The other thing that I hear people say is it's better than a 401k. And I really beg to differ on that. With the 401k, you are going to get that tax deferral immediately, right? So you get the tax deferral, right? And if you're not putting, you're not maxing out your 401k, or you're not maxing out your retirement vehicles, it doesn't make sense for you to be looking for other alternatives to get money tax-free. Because if you're not in a place where you're maxing out everything that you have available to you, so that means, you know, if you have a 401k, putting $22,000 in that, if you're not maxing out the Roth opportunity that you have, if you're a business owner, there's definitely different ways that you can do this and still have access to your money. So when you're thinking about this product, I want you to think about this in terms, is this going to solve my problem now? And what do I mean by that? So if someone's coming to you and you're thinking about doing this IUL, why do you want the IUL? Is it because you need insurance? Is it because you want to start investing? Is it because you wanted to replace your regular retirement income? You know, whatever the reason is. Now, when you find that reason, now it's time for you to really, really think about it. Am I going to want to see my investment account continue to grow uninhibited by the fees that are associated with the life insurance that's tied to it? Or you're saying, I need the life insurance and I like this one catch, one, you know, I guess like a one-stop shop almost. If that's what you're thinking, then I mean, I think you really want to evaluate what you need this particular product for. And I think it's more important for people that are thinking about these to think about the solution of the problem that they want to solve. And if I think you approach this with the problem first saying, okay, what is the problem? If it is that I need insurance, and I get insurance for cheaper and more, more insurance for cheaper by buying term insurance. And the term insurance is different than the cash value life insurance. Cash value life insurance is going to usually last you for the rest of your life, typically, given that you make the premium payments and all of that. The difference with the term insurance is just going to be a portion of time. But there is a school of thought that will talk about buying a term insurance policy and taking that investment and just investing in something. So let's take that same scenario with the $500. Now, I always throw this in here. I don't sell insurance, so I get nothing from this. I don't sell insurance. I'm a fee-only financial advisor. So all I'm doing is giving you, you know, my thoughts and advice on this. So let's just take that same example. You got $500 a month, right? So you can go out and buy a term policy probably for a million dollars, a lot higher death benefit than you could buying a permanent policy with that same 500. You could take you know, depending on your health age, there's some factors that go into it, but that $500 that we're already spending, right? You can take that same 500, less than a hundred of it should be, probably be able to get you a million dollar life insurance policy. This is for someone 45 or younger in decent health, right? And then you have another $400 to invest on a monthly basis. And if you just put that $4,500 or that $400 into, you know, let's just say a mutual fund, let's just say you put it into an ETF, that's $4,800 a year in the first year. In the first year, you'll have that not including any interest that you may gain from good market. Is that what you need? Do you need the savings now? Do you need access to it now? Or are you putting everything off until retirement and then think about, you know, how I can access this money that I put away in this magical thing? So I think it's very important to understand what this product is, how it works, 
And the last thing that you need to know is, is it right for you? Only you know that answer. I can't tell you if it's right for you. I personally have never sold one of these. Never have sold an IUL. I had an opportunity, looked at it, and just never, never really was convinced that it was the best thing to do. I just wanted to get this message out to you today because there's been a lot of talk about it. If you have questions about this, if you find yourself in an IUL or you find yourself thinking about getting an IUL or just want to bounce, you know, hear out some more about the IUL, go on to our website and schedule a call with us. We're here to answer the questions, especially stuff that we talk about on this show. So if there's something that you have, more questions, or you have another one of these universal life policies and you want to hear a second opinion about it, please reach out to us. You can reach out to us on www.gennextwealth.com. You can go in there and you can schedule a free consultation and we'll answer some of these questions for you. I think that it is very important for you to understand everything that you have. So with that, we're going to wrap it up here. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Until next time, we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or a CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time, 